Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful people with the power of your love. Take our minds and think through them. Take our lips and speak through them. Take our souls and set them on fire. Amen. In the seventh grade, I went to North Carolina to spend several weeks in in the summer with my cousins who lived there. Both of my first cousins who are older than I am are women. And at the time, in the mid-1980s, popular cosmetics firm L'Oreal Paris would have commercials and print ads everywhere highlighting shampoo, hair coloring, makeup, you name it. The tagline was always, yours from L'Oreal Paris. And a model would appear and say, because I'm worth it. My older cousins were obsessed. One night as my cousins were getting ready to go out and meet some of their friends, I went into the room where they were getting ready, and they had all sorts of makeup spread out everywhere. I mean, it was everywhere all over on the counter, and I said, whoa, that's a lot of makeup. And they said, isn't it great? It's all L'Oreal Paris. So as a bratty seventh grader, I waited a second. I looked at them and said, are you worth it? (laughs) They screamed and drove me out of the room. Are you worth it? We ask this ourselves a lot. In the United States, we spend $3.3 trillion every year on medical care. We spend $179 billion on luxury goods, $17 billion on spa treatments, and over $8 billion every year on cosmetics. With all that money going to things that give us the ultimate healing and wellness experience in life, you would think that we're living in a heaven on earth, wouldn't you? Over three and a half trillion dollars promoting health, wellness, well-being, comfort, luxury. We all live in a heaven on earth, right? Yet, last Friday, last Friday the LA Times reported that the economy may be booming, but nearly half of Americans can't make ends meet. All of this Excessive expenditure for health, for comfort, for relaxation, for beauty, for the good life. Yet, many aren't really living the good life at all. Some have great material needs, and we see people suffering. Suffering from physical, mental, even spiritual ailments. And we've lost friends to illness, to cancer. People have jobs that they seem, they think we seem to look at them and go, oh, that's really a perfect job. But the statistics tell us that most people are unfulfilled in their place of employment. So much money being thrown to things that make you look good, feel good, smell good, be more attractive, sound more attractive. The cycle doesn't seem to really end, and it leaves us feeling wounded, less than, needing healing, asking ourselves and each other, are you worth it? Enter today's gospel, a pair of 
healing stories. The first with Jesus on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, trying to get away from the crowds, retreating from everyday life. Yet enter a Syrophoenician woman, not just any woman, a very strong woman, actually. Often our read of this story, and I think this is informed to us from the greater tradition of the church, but our read of this story makes us think that the woman is a meek and mild-mannered person entering Jesus' space to ask him to heal her daughter. But what we don't realize is that she most likely was quite a wealthy person living in the region where the Gentiles, or the people who weren't Jewish, the region where the Gentiles had the cash and the Jewish people were the peasants. She was someone who had connections. She knew how to find the connections with the best that there was. And so she finds Jesus even when no one is supposed to know that he's there. Think about it. If you were Jesus and wanted a quiet time away from people altogether, and this quite possibly threatening or intimidating, wealthy and perhaps a prominent member of the local establishment comes in to interrupt your quiet time, you might be a little miffed. It might explain the caustic exchange between the two, but it also serves as a way to reveal to all of Mark's gospel's audience, including us, it serves as a way to reveal that all people, even the prominent woman's daughter, that all people have precious value to God. Her persistence in this shows us more about God's divine love urging us in our hearts to go to great lengths to connect all people into God's very presence on earth, Jesus, his son. The woman's persistence was prophetic. In front of Jesus, she realized that she and her daughter were absolutely worth it. And Jesus is so taken by this bold exchange that her daughter is healed instantly. The next portion of the reading, we have Jesus healing a man who was deaf and could not really speak. And when people bring the man to Jesus, he takes him aside and he puts his hands in his ears and on his tongue and he utters this very unusual word, a word that people didn't really know, so Mark has to translate it. Be opened, epitha, and the man is healed. Jesus makes a bold proclamation to the man's ailments, just in the same way that the Syrophoenician woman persists and proclaims an openness of God's divine love into her situation. And into both situations, Jesus' actions are long-lasting. His healing brings brings both people life, health, restoration. It restores both of them as full people now able to live the fullest lives that they'll ever be able to live. In these healing miracles, Jesus is boldly proclaiming, you are worth it. These healing stories are exactly what we need right now. We need to believe that Jesus tells us that we're worth it. And that we are absolutely wonderful just the way we are. 
When we work from this place, in the words of the author Brene Brown, if we work from this place, in this place that says, I'm enough, then we stop screaming and we start listening. We're kinder and gentler to the people around us. And we're kinder and gentler to ourselves. Those are her words. The letter of James adds a little more. Suddenly our kindness and gentleness might have us start noticing people who are far different than ourselves. But yet our hearts then begin recognizing those people as our very brothers and sisters in Christ. Not strangers, but family. Suddenly our desires for all of this, these levels and layers of comfort, or even for self-development or self-protection, might instead lead us to a place of selfless service, to finding ways in which we can practice our faith by proclaiming Christ's healing and reconciling love to a world that is at best just getting by. We take on these practices— These practices of proclaiming epitha, be open, on to every closed, restrictive, subsisting, walled up, incarcerated, medically sedated, somnambulous, isolated, shame-induced, people-pleasing, or codependent situation imaginable. We take on these practices of proclaiming openness and love to wake up our faith to wake ourselves up, because Jesus' kingdom of God is indeed here, and we recognize that spending three and a half trillion dollars on wellness alone isn't going to do it. Our faith, ourselves, our souls and bodies have to awaken to make our faith alive, to be alongside Jesus, the miracle workers of this day and age. God is depending on us. We have many allies and friends on this faith journey. They're everywhere. We're invited to look for them. We're urged to be as persistent and prophetic as that Syrophoenician woman, stopping at nothing to make sure that God's healing is real in the here and now. We are modeling our lives after Jesus proclaiming to the man, Epitha, be open, and we're summoned, and we're summoning the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God to fill the hearts and minds and bodies of everyone in every situation with new life, new hope, with a love that not only holds you up when you're down, but sets you up in the heavens to soar like an eagle into the places that need you that need your love, that need your wisdom, that need your blessing, and that need a God who, like Jesus, will absolutely not turn his back on anyone. Are you worth it? You bet you are. So let's get going. A new program year has begun.